0: My name is Adam Morrill, and I'm excited to be with you guys here this morning as we get into the last message in our series that we've been calling Crazy Faith. I just want to break down the word faith because I think it's one of those words that we hear in church a lot and like just have more faith, pray in faith. God can do so much if we have faith. I believe that faith is simply believing that what God says is true and acting on it. And that kind of faith is crazy when it goes against how we think and how we feel. And as I've been thinking on just like a recap of all the lessons from the Bible that we've been talking through on faith, I've come to see that I think there are really two setbacks to having this kind of crazy faith. I think oftentimes we are held back from having crazy faith because we doubt that God is all-powerful and that he has no limits. We saw where Jesus told his disciples, if anyone has faith the size of a mustard seed, they could say to a mountain to be thrown into the sea, and that would happen. And then last week, we talked about how Peter was in the boat with the other disciples, and they were on the water in the midst of a raging storm, and Jesus comes to them walking on the water, And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out onto the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat onto the water. And this is not a blind faith. He had the words of Jesus saying, come. And his first few steps even confirmed that Jesus had the power to keep him afloat on the waves. But then he fixed his focus on the raging storm and the size of the waves. And he momentarily lost his faith that Jesus was all-powerful and that he does not have any limits. So oftentimes, I believe, we are held back from crazy faith because we doubt God's power. And the other setback for us is when we doubt that God's ways are always best. The Bible is full of examples of people who follow God's ways because they believe they are best. And the times... That they don't believe God's ways are best because they think that they know something better than God. And a few weeks ago, we talked about Abraham how God came to Abraham and told him to pack up his household and everything that he owned and move to a foreign land. And this isn't like just hopping into a car and plugging an address into a GPS. This is like moving an entire city. He had hundreds and hundreds of cattle and livestock. He had servants and family members, tents. This was a big act of faith for Abraham to trust that God's ways are best, that God actually knew what he was doing and had a plan for calling him out into a different land. But along the journey, we also saw examples where Abraham really doubted that God's ways were best. When he was in Egypt, he had this concern. He's like, oh boy, these Egyptians, they're gonna think that my wife is mighty fine and I'm afraid that to get to my wife, they're gonna kill me. And so instead of trusting that God had gotten him that far and that God's ways are best, he thought that he would protect himself by saying that Sarah, his wife, was really his sister. And as things unfolded, it made it so clear that God's ways truly are best. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the example of Daniel, how he had crazy faith in trusting that God's ways are always best. Back in the Old Testament times, the nation of Judah was conquered by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came in and they, like, ransacked the place. And then they took the Israelites captive with them back to Babylon. And from among the young men, they picked out the cream of the crop, like the good looking, ruggedly handsome guys, and the guys who were really intelligent, so that they could integrate them into Babylonian culture and have them in the service of the king. And I'm not sure exactly what somebody had to do to make the cut, but Daniel was one of those guys. I mean, maybe he had to do as many pull-ups as Brad Lawrence could do in that video. <laughs> I, and I would like to think that I would be one of those guys that would make the cut, that like, I'd be the, one of those ruggedly handsome guys, but I've got a confession to make. I've been skipping the bench press lately. I just had to get that weight off my chest. <laughs> but Daniel, you... <laughs> Daniel was on a whole nother level. And when he was in the service of the king, he proved that he had a superior work ethic and integrity to all the other guys. And after the reign of the Babylonian king, there was a Persian king. And he wanted to put Daniel in charge of all the other king's officials and to manage the entire kingdom. But the other king's officials, they didn't like the idea that Daniel would get all the power and all the attention. And so they started scheming, trying to come up with a way that they could get Daniel out of that position. And so they're looking at his work ethic, like, all right, maybe we can find a fault with him there. But Daniel worked first and foremost for God, and that showed in his work to the king. And so they tried to find a flaw with his integrity, But still, Daniel was an upright man. And so they realized that in order to get Daniel in trouble, they had to make a hard choice between Daniel choosing to obey a law and choosing to obey God. And so they came up with this plan that they presented to the king. They said, oh, king, we've got an idea for a new law. What we're saying is for 30 days we will decree that no one can pray to any other God or man. And anyone who doesn't pray to you alone will be thrown into a den of lions. Now, I'm sure the king was pretty flattered by that. Who, who wouldn't want to be prayed to for 30 days straight? So he's like, all right, sounds good to me. And he gave that law the stamp of approval. And according to their customs, Once a law had the king's stamp of approval, it couldn't be taken back or changed. And so let's take a look at how Daniel responds when he hears about this new law. If you'd like to follow along with me, turn to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned... The decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. All right, let's, let's hold on a minute here. If you just got an alert on your phone this morning that said, if you're caught praying, then you're going to be arrested and sentenced to the electric chair. How do you think you would respond to that? But then we have Daniel who hears about this decree, and he's like, all right, wait, let me get this straight. If I pray to my God, I could be thrown into a den of lions. Oh, okay, I'm going to go home now and pray. Crazy faith to be able to make that step. And you know what happened is Daniel got busted by the officials. The officials were waiting for Daniel to make that move so that they could get Daniel out of there. And so they take the matter before the king. And the king is really upset because Daniel was his top dog. Like he was going to put Daniel in charge of the whole kingdom. But now Daniel was in pretty deep trouble. He was doomed to become cat food. And because this law could not be taken back or changed, there was nothing the king could do. So Daniel was thrown into that pit of lions. But if you know the story, you know that the next morning, the king went there to check on Daniel, and it was a miracle that God had shut the mouths of the lions, and Daniel was spared. And when I look at Daniel's examples and so many other guys from the Bible, I'm like, what a legend. That's so cool that they could have such awesome faith. But then it makes me feel kind of bad, like, I don't know if I could ever have that kind of faith. I even look at my friends who are selling everything, packing up their stuff and preparing to go to the mission field, raising support and trusting that God will provide a way for that. Or I look at my friends who are going through some really hard cancer treatment, and I see that they're still an example to others, trying to be a light for Jesus and devoted to God. I'm like, I don't know if I could ever walk through such a hard time like that and still keep the faith that God's ways are best and that God is all-powerful. So the question that I want to answer for us this morning is how can we have this kind of crazy faith in the big moments? Well, Paul Tripp is a pastor and author of a devotional called New Morning Mercies. This is what he writes. He says, you and I don't live only in the big moments. We probably only make a couple of big, life-altering decisions our whole lives. We all live in the utterly mundane. We live in the little, unnoticed, unremarkable, mundane moments of life. The little moments of your life are profoundly important precisely because these little moments happen to be the address where you live. The character of any person's life is not shaped by two or three grand, big moments of life. A person's character is formed in the 10,000 little, mundane moments of everyday life. It's the character that is formed in those little moments of life that determine how you think and respond to the few big moments in life. I think that Paul Tripp hit the nail right on the head. That we can have faith in the big moments when we condition ourselves through having daily faith. And daily faith is preparing in the small moments for what God might do in the big moments. Let's take a closer look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Let's read that again and see how Daniel actually conditioned himself to have faith in this big moment. By practicing daily faith. It says, Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I love the line, just as he had done before. You see, Daniel wasn't trying to be a rebel and a rule breaker but he was living out a pattern of faithfulness to God. And I'm sure there were times when Daniel didn't even want to pray. I'm sure there were times when it was incredibly inconvenient to his schedule to pray three times a day. I'm sure there were times that he was tired and he just wanted to go to bed early instead of praying. But his persistence in having daily faith set him up to have faith in the big moment. So that when it was decreed that no one was allowed to pray to anyone except for the king, Daniel wasn't about to make a compromise. He wasn't about to give up on his prayer streak. And we can have that same kind of faith when we, like Daniel, prepare in the little ways. And I'm sure that there are many ways that we can condition ourselves to have this crazy faith. But this morning, we're gonna take a look at four ways in how we can do that. And the first way we can be conditioned for what God might have us to do is to talk to God. I believe that prayer conditions us for faith and believing that God is all-powerful and that he does not have any limits and that we can come to him with the needs and anxieties on our heart. God, the one who created the universe, the one who holds the stars in place, can uproot mountains, heal the sick, and raise the dead to life, invites us to come to him. And he cares about our deepest needs, even the little concerns. He cares about what is going on in your personal life, in your family, in your home, and at your job. But so often, I think we doubt that God is really all-powerful. We doubt that it's really worthwhile to take these things before God. We think that we can just grind it out and do things on our own strength. And as I was thinking about that, it made me think of our efforts, like trying to screw this screw into a block of wood with the efforts of a screwdriver. Like we can work at it. Things are tough in your job, and you think, all right, I'll fix that, I'll just... work longer hours and really get the time management down. Or things are tense in one of your relationships and it's just a burden on your heart, but you think, oh, if I can just like talk to a friend, just kind of let these feelings out, I can work on that. I'll get it taken care of. But I've heard it said that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And if our Efforts measure up to what can be accomplished by a screwdriver. I think what God can do, it measures up to what can be accomplished by a drill. And I know I'm preaching to myself here because this is something I'm feeling convicted about and praying more often. But so often when we say that we don't have time to pray, it's like cranking on a screw with a screwdriver and saying that we don't have time to reach over and pick up the drill. You see, I'm not saying that God will answer every request the way we ask him to, but maybe we don't have God stepping into our lives and into our situations simply because we don't ask him to. And God has the incredible power to show up in amazing ways and to do an awesome work in our lives. And I've just been thinking through, what does that look like uh, for our church, and just an action step for that is we we'd like to start up a prayer group that meets on Tuesday nights for just the next six weeks. Because I believe that we, as a church, we can be working hard in the ministry. We can be doing all kinds of different serving, meeting together. But if we're not inviting God to show up and to do an amazing work, it's like working with a screwdriver. And my hope is that as we meet together and as we give God the opportunity to show up in amazing ways, that we can just see a track record of God's faithfulness and Him answering prayer, and that it will condition us to have the faith that God is all-powerful and that He will continue to do incredible things. And so this prayer group is going to meet in the lobby from 7 to 8 p.m. for just the next six weeks. And I would just really encourage you to just take an action step and hope that this grows you in your faith. So prayer is the first way that we can be conditioned for all that God has for us. The second way we can be conditioned for what God might call us to do is to hear from God. If if prayer is talking to God, I believe reading God's word is hearing from God. And in Psalm 119, 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is full of instructions and history and a representation of God's love. But he doesn't just give us his word as a list of like do's and don'ts. But as we hear from God, as we read from his word, I believe that it gives us a window into God's heart as we learn his character. And I believe that that can compel us to actually live out what God says. It makes me think that if on a Saturday morning I was given a list of chores to do, like vacuum my living room or clean up my kitchen, I'd think, ugh a Saturday like that's the last thing that I want to do on a Saturday but then if I realized that that list of chores and those instructions came from a letter that my grandma sent me and my grandma's asking me to vacuum the floors because she's coming to visit and she's asking that I would clean up the kitchen because she wants to bake me a home-cooked meal while she's visiting that would change my entire outlook on the whole situation I wouldn't see it as burdensome. I love my grandma, and I see that what she's asking me to do is really setting me up for something even better. And so my prayer is that as we engage in God's word, as we hear from God, that we can live in obedience when we trust that his ways are best. Because I think so often we don't Follow through in faith because we think that our sin can offer us something that God's way truly offers us. And we can be compelled to live in obedience when we just get a window into the heart of God. And the third way that we can be conditioned for all that God might call us to is when we connect with God's family. If you'd like to follow along with me, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And starting in verse 24, this is what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I don't think this is only talking about Sunday morning services. You know, the church is not just a building or even what we do on a Sunday morning as an event. The church is a spiritual family. And meeting together and not giving up on that, it's not just going to church on a Sunday morning. It's not even just putting together more formal ministry events during the week. I think that this can be lived out even by having barbecues in your backyard and inviting some friends from church or going out on the river kayaking and just using those kind of opportunities when you rub shoulders with people in the church to encourage them and to spur them on towards love and good deeds. And I've been so encouraged to hear about some of the ways that we've been doing that here in this church. Even the women's conference that we put on just a few weeks ago. I've heard awesome stuff about that. And so I want to say thank you to all the ladies who helped put that on. And I can really say that if I had been the one decorating for that event, it would not have been nearly as successful. (laughs) And to hear about guys who are reading through a book together on manhood, It's those connections throughout the week that I think this is all about. And I know it's still just a few months out, but I just want to put it on your radar that we will be starting up small groups again in September. And I can say from personal experience that there's probably no better way to get connected to the church than to get involved in a small group. When I came here in October, I pretty much only knew two names, Rich Clark and myself, Adam Moral. Like, I didn't know anyone, but one of the best things that I did was go into a different small group every week, and it's gotten me so much more connected with the people here in this church than just saying hi on a Sunday morning, and it's been such an encouragement to my heart and been so refreshing to me that I just want to put it out there uh, for you to put on your radar in the fall. And the fourth and final way that we can condition ourselves for all that God has for us is to serve God's sheep. I'm going to read from First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, "...each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms." If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I think that we can be conditioned in our faith when we trust that God has a place for us to serve in the church and we actually take that step to serve i see in the church if you are a believer there is a ministry with a name tag with your name on it and it says here that if anyone serves they should do so with the strength that god provides i don't think that god would tell us to, prov- to serve with the strength that god provides if god doesn't actually provide us that strength And if you're a believer, I think that God can be your source of strength in a ministry. Even if you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I could make that commitment or if I could have that kind of ability. Faith is believing that what God says is true and acting on it. And sometimes when I think about having big faith and serving in big ministries, I think about like, George Mueller, who started up an orphanage for hundreds of kids, and he would just pray daily that God would give them the support for that. Or for missionaries who pack up everything and go live out in the jungle. People who dig wells. Yeah, that's big stuff for God. But those are not the only kinds of ministries that make a big impact. And in fact, the kids' ministry just over there is doing some amazing things. I know it's kind of hard to get a glimpse at what's going on over there just because it's a few feet away. But just over the last few weeks, we've had an average of about 60 kids every Sunday. And just since January, we've been able to celebrate three kids making decisions to follow Jesus And so getting involved in a ministry like that is an incredible way to make an impact. And it's not just investing in the kids' lives, but it also reaches the families of those kids. All across Bridgewater, we have families who come to the church here just because their kids love the kids' ministry so much. And when that's the case, it gives us the opportunity for us to invest in the families, for them to sit under the word of God and to get connected with their spiritual family. So maybe you're thinking that God could be calling you to kids' ministry, and if that's the case, you could make a difference in the kids' lives, in the families' lives, and it's also a service to our current volunteers. Here at Bridgewater, we encourage everybody to serve one service and attend another. And we're pulling off a really stellar kids' ministry but it's coming at the cost of some of our volunteers serving two services. And so as we get more volunteers, it gives us the opportunity for those volunteers to be involved in the services over here, to worship with you guys, to hear from the word of God and be connected in relationships. And I'm not going to be able to go through all of the different ministries that we offer this morning, Because maybe kids' ministry is not for you, and I totally get that. Uh, I think that God has a place for everyone in the church, and that could be just being a smiling face in guest services, or maybe that's being one of the guys who does some uh, maintenance projects around the church. We've got some big dreams for building a breezeway between the kids' building and this building. All kinds of projects and ways to get involved. And as you walked in this morning... You probably saw a piece of paper on your chair that says next on it. And those are just a list of some different ministries that you could get involved in here in Bridgewater, Tunkanic. And maybe your next step of faith and the next step towards crazy faith is just serving in a ministry. Trusting that God has a place for you and that God will be your source of strength. And so if you'd like to fill that out, I really encourage you to fill it out and then drop it off in a basket at the Welcome Center on your way out. And maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I can commit to this kind of ministry. And if that's the case, my encouragement to you is to take that piece of paper home with you. Just put it up on your fridge and make a decision to pray about it throughout the week. It's these little steps that add up for something Big. When I think about getting to the top of the mountain, reaching the summit is not accomplished through taking one big step. It's the hundreds of little steps along the way that get you there. But maybe those little steps don't feel easy, and I totally get that. It makes me think about how I used to make whirlpools when I was a kid. Like my family had this above-ground pool, and we'd make a whirlpool by just swimming around in the same direction, And it would be tough at first, and I wouldn't see any progress. But the longer that I stayed with it, I started to get the momentum going. And eventually, the current even propelled me in the way that I wanted to go. And I think that is how Daniel was able to have such crazy faith when the king declared that he was not allowed to pray to God. As he had built up the momentum of praying to God daily and trusting that God's ways are best— Time after time after time again. So when he heard this decree, his momentum was already carrying him in the way that he wanted to go. And he was able to have crazy faith. And we can have that kind of crazy faith too when we listen uh, to God, when we pray to God, and when we connect with his family, and when we serve his sheep. And let's pray that God will give us the strength to do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God without limits. I thank you that your ways are always best. I thank you that we don't even have to go through this life on our own strength, because uh, honestly, we don't even have the strength to do it. I thank you for your spirit that is at work in us, and I ask that we can just be an encouragement to one another this morning and continue uh, to worship you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.